The DWA podcast is recorded live to SD card at the old Wrigley building in Santa Cruz, California. Driving while awesome podcast radio hour. <laughs> oh God. Yo. Do you guys know what a fluffer is? GTO. Mellow grinds. Oh, I got a PT Cruiser. It's a convertible. It's really cool. Oh, this smells of crayons for you. <laughs> hey, YOLO. You only have one life. Do you have coilovers? No, beat it. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good podcast right there. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, I screwed it up. Heelandtoeapparel.com Heel&Toe Apparel is all about making clothes for people who love to drive. They're all about the manual transmission, and we support that. I don't know what else to say about them that we haven't said before. They make the coziest shirts cool sweatshirts the raddest hats they have a really cool new camo trucker hat i love the the new heel and toe badge logo or i guess you call it a shield logo and those shirts look really cool and uh yeah they've been making our rally shirts for the past geez i don't even know now at this point it's like 10 rallies or something and everyone is better than the next i swear it's like everyone is my favorite shirt and this last batch is the same thing we did the sierra rally rewind and they made us some really cool shirts black with gold and uh, i'm in i'm in love with them i think i i took three of them for myself so uh yeah check out heel and toe apparel.com forward slash dwa and use the code dwa at checkout to get 20 percent off your order support those that support us check out heelandtoeapparel.com forward slash dvua check us out and show your support at patreon.com forward slash driving while awesome as well as you know giving us a little support for this uh weekly podcast we provide we also give you some cool benefits like free sticker packs discounts on Things in our store like the license plate stickers, license plate frames, rally hats, a bunch of other stuff. You also get early access to DWA rallies if you're in the area and events like Camping Wall Awesome. Check it out at patreon.com forward slash driving wall awesome. Welcome to Driving Wall Awesome. My name is Warren. I am Lane. I am Art, and we have Mr. Larry Chen in the house today. What's up, man? How you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. Awesome, man. Well, I like your scene. You've got a 996 Turbo behind you. You got uh, Orange Bang, the 240Z, uh, R32, and then is that a new thing back there? What is that? A 370? Yeah, it looks like a 370. That is a 350Z. It's uh, last oh. year, 2008 HR, and uh, it's my next project car. Uh, I, oh, yeah, it's. Uh, Something, you know, I, I say that I've been watching other people drift for 17 years now, and it looks mm. pretty fun, but I'm tired of watching other people do it for this yep. long. I kind of want to try it for myself. So uh, this winter, I'm actually going to start building that to just have like a street style, not street drift car, but like a street style drift car where I could run the AC, you know, I can have windows up. Um, I could just turn laps that's all i want to do that's awesome nice, dude nice. that's yeah. huge is that uh, breaking news here or, or uh, it is it that? is i haven't announced Ooh. it yet and 
you know, the, the, the reason why I haven't really announced it yet is because, um, well, it's me, you know, I have another project car that I'm working on right now, but I need to finish my current project car, which is, uh, that, um, Raptor Tundra build. And once that's mm -hmm. finalized, then I can start working on this other car. But, you know, I, I love kind of, I love giving this kind of info away on podcasts because it's kind of one of those things where it, it, if you really want to follow what I'm doing, you know, you'll actually listen to these podcasts and then that's kind of when you get the breaking news, I guess. It's not really breaking news. Nice. It doesn't really matter to anybody. <laughs> yeah. but uh, the, you, get the, you get the nuggets, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, the point is, uh, uh, you know, I, I am a car enthusiast like all of you guys. So I just want to actively participate in the community as much as I can. That's awesome, dude. Um, well, oh, sorry, were you going to say something, Warren? Oh, I was going to say, so will this be like, you're going to do it on like dedicated weekends where you just go driving, you're not shooting, or are you going to like kind of multitask? Um, so for the past couple of years, I've been doing a lot of that, which is multitasking. Like I'm filming uh, for example, with my super camera car, I'm filming with the car, but I'm also having fun. And then when I get a chance to, I'll turn some laps also. Uh, I don't know what this next thing is going to be like. Hopefully, I can have some dedicated days to driving for myself. It's, uh, it's really, really hard, especially now, just the way the industry is and how busy we are it's really hard to take one entire day away just to focus on having fun. If that, if yeah. it sounds so dumb, <laughs> it no. sounds terrible. Dude, it doesn't, but it's, it's, it's a fact. Yeah. Isn't that funny though? Everyone listening is like, God, he has so much fun. It's all fun. I, I, I can't. You know? Well, I was saying I, I saw, so I saw you Larry at a, the Porsche triple zero thing the other week. Yes. Oh, right? yes. rare, rare and, uh, shades. Yeah, rare shades. And I was there super early in the morning and you were there and you were just like shooting away. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, Larry, how's it going? You know, uh, and uh, I'm like, I was telling Art, you know, I saw so-and-so. I saw so-and-so. I saw Larry. Uh, you know, yeah, I talked to him for like two seconds. I'm like, dude, he is so busy. Like, it's insane. You're like running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, you know, you have a lot of people because you're you have your videos, you know, you're you're on you know, doing again and all that stuff. And it's like, so you, you have this, like, you're this celebrity in the car, car world now. So you have all these people like trying to talk to you as you're shooting everywhere you go, I imagine. And yeah. this is at rare shades, you know, and we get a little taste of that. Cause like we, we throw out cars and coffee or like our Radwoods and you know, I'm going around trying to shoot and I have people tr like following me around talking to me. I can only imagine like that times 50 and how you even I, that's why I'm saying like I, I, it seems like you'd need to like fragment it and just do one or the other. It just seems so hard. Yeah, it's um, I, I never intended it to be this way. Really, I don't really care to be in front of camera, but um, if it allows me to keep doing what I'm doing and it, if it allows me to open all these doors and have all this cool access, then I'm OK with that, you know, and I feel like. All of us, um, all four of us, we play a very significant role in doing our part in keeping car culture alive. And, you know, we're just all doing our part. But uh, uh, Rare Shades, this is a very, very good example of, I guess, 
the suffering that I kind of go through to for, for this craft. Okay. And I was explaining to my neighbor yesterday, you know, kind of what I do and like what it entails and how much sacrifice I have to give for this. And he's like, yeah, bud, sure. You know, he's like, whatever, it's cool. I mean, I see all the cool toys that you have. Um, that's cute, you know, and even even I was telling him, like, I, I turned my, I always somehow turn my hobbies into my job, right? I posted about this last night. I did a, a, a whole shoot for Axial, right, which is the RC car company. And of course, you know, I turn my hobby, I love RC car so much, I turn it into my job, and then it becomes stressful. But, um triple or, or the triple zero event rare shades it, it it set off this domino effect for me unfortunately and it, it happens all the time where i just because i was running around i was pushing hard i was shooting for maybe whatever 15 hours straight right we sh- shot the sunrise i re-injured up like a muscle in my shoulder and it just like started to agitate it, I guess, just because I was just up for so long. I was pushing hard. And then it kind of had this snowball effect where the very next week or, or as soon as I got back, I had to go to shoot Ken Block at uh, Lake Superior Performance Rally. Okay. And this is intense, intense shooting 15, 16, 17 hour days of following Ken in his efforts at stage rally, you know, in the rain, uh, hiking in the rough terrain, sprinting, going in between cars. By then I was full blown. The pain level was maybe eight out of 10 for me, for my back. And I could not even get up from my bed. Like if, if I just had to sit up to go to the bathroom, that wasn't happening. I had to roll out of bed in order to get to the bathroom even and a Mm. lot of people don't understand i can't just say hey ken i'm sorry i'm off today no yeah right it's ken fucking block you know (laughs) he's hiring me for a reason he's hiring me because i'm going to be there come hell or high water i don't care i don't care if my pain level is 10 out of 10 i will be there to do it but it was it was just a bad time it was my stomach wasn't feeling good because I ate some bad fast food. You know, those things, you just cannot control these things. Uh, it, it started with a crazy 20 hour, 20 travel, 20 hour travel day where I would have to fly to Milwaukee. I had to drive seven hours into the rally area. Jeez. And then I had to, so that's essentially like me flying into LA and then I have to drive to San Francisco or Sacramento. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, so right, right. I did that because. I can't take the risk of having a connecting flight. I just cannot. That just doesn't, Mm -hmm. that's a thing that cannot happen because if I show up and I'm shooting Ken Block and I don't have any of my clothes or any of my winter gear, you know, it it just screws me over. So I have to take these steps to make sure that I'm there with my gear, with my clothes. I'm there. Ken's there. Car's there. We're doing his new livery reveal. It's a big deal, you know, and I have to make sure I'm 100% shoot photography wise. It doesn't matter if my body is only 25%. I still pushed as hard as possible. And by the end, you know, the pictures I feel like spoke for themselves. Uh, 
I did have to suffer for my craft and suffer for my job. But you know what? On the other side of this thing, I, I feel maybe 90% now that that was, uh, I don't know how many days ago. That was like seven or eight days ago. I feel a lot better. You know, but, nice. but, and I have these photos to uh, show for it. And I have the story to tell you guys. Uh, a lot of people yeah. on autofocus, they love to complain. They're like, man, Larry, you're always complaining at how much suffering it is. People just don't get it. People don't understand the actual suffering I have to go through. How many people suffer this much for their job? Right. You know, how right. many people go through physical pain aside from people in the military? <laughs> you know, like I, sure, I, sure. I listen to all of these podcasts about, uh, um, uh, you know, SEAL, the SEAL team guys. Like I commend them. I, you're, you're gnarlier than No, them, no, no. I, <laughs> I, I just, I, I appreciate <laughs> what they have to go through. And I think about the suffering that they have to go through. And I think mm -hmm. what I have to go through is insignificant, but in essence, it, it's, it, it, I just get inspiration from that. You know, like yeah. when I hear about yeah. the fact that they have to crawl through the jungle or they have to go camp out for whatever, five days straight, or like that's potentially being actual killed. suffering. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's, it's crazy. But anyways, Story time's over. <laughs> Dude, I mean, but, but, and then, and then throw on top of that the fact that you have to like have a friendly face when people go and like, hey, Larry, how's it going? Right? Yeah. 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 Like, uh, so. this, this year at Pike's Peak, I put out a video where I, I talked about how I got food poisoning from McDonald's and, um, also the fact that it was so cold and it was so windy. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I thought I found a very good place to relieve myself. Number one, you know, and it just turned out to be like this vortex area oh, shit. and uh, <laughs> the wind basic, you, you know, people think like, Larry, you're so dumb. Do you know how to even pee outside? You know, like, how could you be so dumb to pee into the wind? And I tell people like I hiked so far to find this set of rocks that I thought it was safe, but then the wind like shot under me and shot you know everything ah. all over my face and i'm like <laughs> I, I i this is just what i have to do and then guess what i did maybe 30 seconds after that i picked up my camera and i took pictures of cars going by of course you know? yeah sure yeah it's right. the, the, the lesson learned you yeah. have to start wearing a diaper exactly <laughs> yeah dude we we actually um we've talked about this um i think you know a couple weeks ago we were talking about it because um that is one thing that people assume, right? The glamour, right? Like you get, they see the, the external side of things and ours is very minimal compared to some of the stuff you're describing. But, um, you know, there's, there's a tremendous amount of hard work and sacrifice that goes into a lot of this. And, and, and kind of what it boils down to is that we're willing to put up with all of that because we're, we're passionate about the, what we're doing. Right. And the, the end game is so valuable to us that we're willing to make those sacrifices, whether it be, you know, sleeping a few hours and, and, and waking up super early and, having a you know there's additional stressors right there's family stuff and time away and like you know it adds, all adds up but but um but at the end of the day you know it's still it's still worth it right and like and i think with with your work i mean like it takes that dedication and commitment um but it, it, the work is is you know arguably the best out there right so like you you've established yourself as someone who who basically 
um, is willing to do whatever it takes to to always improve and always get that better shot. And like I talked about um, Reiner uh, Schlegelmilch, who's one of my favorite photographers. He's a famous Formula One photographer and he created, invented a lot of like the pan zoom stuff and like all this camera trickery. And like his, his foreword and his book is all about what you're describing. It's like, you know, like people assume like, oh, you know, this is but back in the, he started in the, really in the fifties, the but he kind of really took off his career took off in the sixties when formula one was super glamorous. And like, they see him at Monaco parties and all that, but he's like, yeah, but what you don't see is me dragging literally a fucking wheelbarrow behind me with like all of my gear. I'm shooting film. I have like to take stuff out and in, in all weather conditions and, and, and whatever it takes to get that shot too. Right. Like he's, he's literally face down in the mud sometimes under like a, you know, under whatever, like some kind of uh, um, object so that he creates the right frame for this particular perspective. And then, but that shot now is like super iconic or is like one of the, you know, it's, it's so, yeah, yeah, I I could, it it does take, I feel for that guy. I mean, the film days, I couldn't imagine you have to bring your own chemicals. You have to develop, you have to make a dark room in your hotel room. Even if you have a hotel room, (laughs) you know, a lot of people back then when they were shooting, Le Mans or, or those old races, they would even have to just camp outside. Um, mm. And yeah, it's, it's, I can imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine. Dude, what, um, you know what? Um, have you read Ben Collins and uh, Ben Collins's book, The Stig? Um, you know, no, the, who, but who, who, now, now I'm going to listen to that audiobook. <laughs> that's, that's going to be my next yeah. download then. Yeah. So check it out because um, Ben Collins, um, again, I, I remember reading through this. I was on a flight somewhere, you know, a couple of years ago and, um, you know, we were about to get our ass kicked at an event, you know, there was going to be a lot of work, but you know, whatever. And, and I'm just sitting there and like, I'm reading through, through what he did, like, and to, to get to where he is. And like, um, in particular when he was in the military, like, cause he was kind of a special forces guy before he became a race car driver. And, and so like just talking about those moments where he's like, I literally can't walk anymore and I still have six miles to hike up this mountain to do this one particular obstacle thing that I need to still do when I get there. Yeah. And like, it's just like that mind over matter thing, right? Where he's just like, my body's failing me, but I have to do this. And like, and like figuring out how to motivate himself to do that. And, and so like all of that, you know, it gets injected into your, into your, you know, into your daily life and, and, and you adapt that to whatever you do. Right. And so like, you know, we've, we've been there, you know, fairly recently, earlier this year, we launched an auction site and there was all this technical stuff and it was like four in the morning. And I'm like, dude, like this has to happen. And like Lane and I are like on Slack, like we're like trying to figure out a solution for this fucking problem. And it's just like, like there's all, yeah, a lot of this stuff, but it's trivial to what you're compared to what you're describing. Well, but, but, but it's, it's interesting because like somebody like Ben, he's doing this thing. It's a life, de- life or death thing potentially. Right. Um, and then I just go back to like me stage rally with Ken. I can't move either, but it's not a life or death thing. I'm there just to capture pictures of him doing his thing. Um, but in my mind, you know, it's, it's so important. It's the utmost important thing to mm-hmm. perform at that level. Um, a really good example actually is the last Radwood that I shot with you guys. That was a part of a series that I did for Canon. I don't know if you guys remember the camera yeah. launch. Okay, so uh, we recently just re- launched their newest camera, which is the R3, which actually, I don't know if you guys saw, it actually has a car mode. Hmm. Oh, yeah. really? It's, it's like, weird. it's car and motorcycle. For s- still? Yeah, or for still. For, for... And video. 
oh. and, and video. Wow. It, it essentially huh. can rec- recognize uh, a car, a motorcycle, an open wheel car. Or it, it's, it's so smart. It's, anyways, with that said, the last camera that I launched for them, which is um, uh, the, the 1DX Mark III, which is the current you know, big dog camera, we had that camera only for five days. For five days, and we needed to essentially push that camera as hard as possible for, for that limited period of time. So I wanted to see if I could do six events or six shoots in five days, and Radwood was one of them. And if you guys remember, Radwood uh, was in the morning, or, or it was a day yes. show, and then at night was the Hoonigan Burnyard. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So, so from like the night before we did a shoot, then I did Radwood. Then that night I did Burnyard. Then I got in my car. My guys drove me while I slept to go to Desert Mahon, which is a, a, a drift event in Arizona. Because, because this was so late in the year, I think it was December, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. December. It was yeah. so late in the year, there wasn't any events actually happening. So I'm like, well, I have basically the best camera in the world for action. I'm just going to sit here or, or we have to create something. No, I actually have to find the action. I have to travel and I have to get it in front of the cool action. So that's exactly what we did. So uh, it was five nonstop days of shooting. I think we probably put 50,000 shots through these cameras Jeez. just in that short period of time. And uh, even so right after that, we drove directly to Vegas and we shot uh, with with our buddy uh, BJ Baldwin um, in his uh, uh, pre-runner, his trophy pre-runner. Mm-hmm. But it, it was just such a crazy time. And I was just so appreciative that you guys held your event so I can come and, you know, kind of showcase a different version uh, of what the or a different um I guess method of shooting that the camera can. Yeah. Can so were were we at the beginning of that uh, marathon? Right at, it was in the uh, middle. The it was right in the middle. Because uh, yeah. uh, you were you were in good spirits. Um, you know, you were looking good <laughs> at that point. But I have a question for you yeah. actually about that. Um, so, do you feel that you have to work that hard to be to to produce the right to produce the 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 good stuff, or because if you're not all in and so committed and just like. Uh, a kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Like I don't I I feel like I'm this way too, where I always bite a little bit more than I can chew, just because I you know you because it, it really it draws you in and you have to be committed and like, um. But I don't know if it's something if there's something there or or do you feel like at some point you get because I know you have some assistance, but like let's say you have more assistance and then you can just kind of chime in and do like you know a, a one day shoot and then you have a break and like and do you think you would still be 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 able to operate how you do in in this situation like that yeah i think at this point i'm doing as best as i can uh, i'm not doing it purposely you know the, a oh, lot okay. of these things are out of my control you know the fact that rare shades and you know lake superior rally all of these things are so close together it's not that i'm i i don't want to break i would love more time and you know my guys are so good they relieve a lot of my time and they work super hard you'd be surprised um to hear though that or maybe you guys already know is it's really hard to just find 
good help that is talented and mm. that wants to yep. work this hard, you know? Uh, totally. It, it's a lot of people look from the outside and they see how glamorous it is and they think that, that they can hang and they think that they'll have a good time. But, it, you know, it is just so much sacrifice. Even if you're working um, as my assistant, if, if you're uh, helping me, yeah, you, you know, these guys, they just... They may not have as much responsibility, but it is equally important. All of our roles are very, very important. And yeah, I mean, for me, it, I just have to strike while the iron's hot. You know, last year was so terrible for us. Uh, all of the commercial jobs got canceled. Now that all of these things are coming back, I just cannot say no because as soon as as soon as I say no, the the client or the person that uh, or the company that's hiring me will go to somebody else. And then when they go to somebody else, they'll probably do a really good job because um, if you're in this industry, you know, you just have to perform at that level. Then they may just hire that person from going forward. And that has happened time and time again. Uh, I just have to kind of try to keep up this uh, thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Like that's why you have to be everywhere, right? Because if you want to capture that business and and, and keep those relationships going, um, you Yeah, you, I think we have the yeah. same mindset. It's like, okay, you can rest, you know, it's like, oh, I can rest tomorrow. You know? Like I and you're like, okay, I know I have you know, like we've done it where with Radwoods where we have like three shows three weeks in a row and one was in England, one was in uh north northwest and one was somewhere else and it's like go 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 but we're like but this is the way it is you know and then by the end of that you're beat but you did feel like you accomplished something and then maybe hopefully you have the luxury of like taking a week off right and then also with the rare sheets stage thing i think you were at velocity the velocity thing like the week before that so, yeah and um and i know I, I was we were invited to that and it was up in um thunder hill and uh, I was like, I'm not driving up to Thunder Hill like at two in the morning to get, you know, like because we're in I'm in Santa Cruz and it's like that that's way out in the middle of nowhere. And, yeah. You know, so I decided to not take that opportunity. And I was definitely like a little FOMO. And, you know, when I saw everything. But yeah, um, those kind of opportunities, you know, I just can't turn them down. And, and for example, that's a the, the Velocity event. You know, they had me do the stills there. I pushed hard as always, and I really enjoyed it. You know, I got a video out of it, and I got to ride in the 250 GTO. Oh my God, what that, a that alone is an incentive, right? <laughs> every, if they had told me that, I would have gone. Every single <laughs> they didn't bolt, tell us that. Like I, 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 okay, I had no idea. Honestly, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. All I know is that they're like, "Hey, show up at Thunder Hill." I'm like, "Okay." I show up at Thunder Hill, and I see these cars getting unloaded. I see. Um, one of the Lamar podium winners or, or podium finishers, uh, the the 4GT. And then I see the 250 GTO and I see a McLaren Speedtail and I see all of this cool stuff. And I'm like, what did I just walk into, you know? And I guess that's kind of the fun thing is just in a way, it's like I stumbled upon it and I pushed really hard. I was really happy to be able to photograph those things. And now... I'm doing the official photography for that event coming up, which I'm really oh, excited sweet. about. Yeah. And, you know, I, oh. I want as many people to come as possible. I want to put it out there because guess what? Laguna Seca is probably one of the best shooting tracks if you don't have a media credential. You guys know. Mm -hmm. You guys been there. You go to the corkscrew, you could see it clearly. 
clearly mm-hmm. it's not through a catch fence or anything you know and there's so many corners like that at laguna seca so yeah if you guys if anyone who wants to come out and shoot really cool historic cars which i essentially call it goodwood west um mm-hmm. just just come out and and have fun with all of us yeah, yeah and the cool thing about laguna like you said like access is just there right if you have media credentials you get to go beyond that fence you know but it's not that much greater than what you have access to as like a normal pedestrian there. Um, and we're going to have a Radwood uh, 50 car display there on the island too. Ooh. So we really want everyone to come. Yeah, that's going to be cool. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, yeah. I was super stoked to check out the Radwood display at the Lane uh, Motor Museum. Oh, sweet. Yeah, was yeah, that I saw you yeah. Yeah. You're like, some stuff. It's just so cool. I could not believe that place exists. I was so stoked to check out the museum and the fact that they want me to come back and drive their cars. I'm just like beside yeah. myself, bl- blown away. Are you going to get into a, are you going to get into a Tatra? They have, they have some pretty sweet Tatras. Yeah. There. They, they have a lot so, of Tatras. They have a, uh, um, but, but that, uh, Tommy, uh, um, so, uh, Tommy yeah, yeah, Mackinan, Mackinan, Evo, Evo that, uh, it's TME, Evo 6, the TME right? Evo. Yeah. The yeah. All, known as the 6.5 is so that's all time yeah it's so cool it's just like For sure oh my god it's so cool and it's like brand new um and they have all of these the thing about that museum if for those of you guys listening um it's it's cars that probably the ugliest cars i've ever seen and also the cars <laughs> that like why would anybody create these things they're like they're garbage but they're cool because they're that bad you know like the yeah, ones yeah. that are fan powered, like <laughs> who thought that was a good idea where you have to get out and push yeah, yeah. uphill. And I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And then these ones that are just so small, where it, it just physically is big enough for your body. And, and they're so ugly too. Like what was the, <laughs> what was the point of all the, so many of these cars? Like I, I, I remember um, when I took a bunch of these pictures of these cars and I posted about them, I would just make the statement like, this is the ugliest car I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so, they're so dumb. But the, I mean, I guess that's the fun part of that, about it. But if you want to yeah, see. Like a, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, if you want to see weird cars, go go there. Yeah, there's a campiness, a campiness to all of that, right? Like, we appreciate that stuff, too. And, um, you know, I know the Lemons guys are all about that, and they have, like, whole shows dedicated to it. But it's entertaining, right? And it's it's a whole new level of, like, as you're describing, like, why? <laughs> and you walk around, you're like, look at this shit. It's comical. Um, I did want to And just so in, everyone oh, knows, oh, that is the Lane Motor Museum in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there yeah. is that Radwood uh, installation, which, by the way, I yeah. love the fact that there's clothing um there's um like little memorabilia um but of course the car selection is absolutely amazing as always awesome you know for your your shows like the the thing about redwood is i think that's it's pretty much like stops there i I don't really want to see a 2000 and 2010 car show (laughs) you know like that's pretty much the end like 1999 done good (laughs) But uh, feel, yeah. 2000, you're a smart guy. Not so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I did want to get into um, a little bit of your background before we get into questions. Um, you know, I think a lot of people want to know how you ended up in this beautifully glamorous position you're, you are now. But um, 
kind of maybe we, we step take a step back talk about how you got into cars and then how that kind of became an uh how you became a photographer and how that became a career for you as well uh, but yeah what what uh what started it all for you were you uh around cars all your life yeah it, it started with the love for cars i grew up in southern california and it's just too easy to fall in love with car culture out here um maybe it's a little different now um, but growing up in the uh, 90s you know, that's that's what it's about you know car culture um, my friends and i as soon as we were able to drive we got clunkers we got cars and we played around with them and we at that time in order to be able to drive you had to know how to fix your car you had yeah. to know how yeah. to put it back together um, because you know at least my group of friends we didn't have the luxury of having a brand new car as soon as you turn whatever 16 18 um i was handed down a 1986 volvo 740 gle that was absolutely falling apart like (laughs) nothing worked radio didn't work ac didn't work um it was just a pile you know and and i had to do everything on that thing i had to change the fuel pump this that and the other basically keep it on the road um it would randomly stall out on me on the 405 or the 10 freeway all the time and Mm. and, you know but that was a set of wheels you know so i couldn't complain and i just me and my friends same thing you know with their cars they had 500 dollars cars 200 dollars cars even um where we but we were just so happy because we were able to move around and um that's kind of what got me into cars. And then, you know, once uh, we started working and making a little more money, that's when me and my group of friends, we got into, you know, HPD, track days, autocross, just uh, I don't, be, being around car culture, you know, and, and I just started taking pictures of these vehicles. Um, it, it's just, uh, I guess it was a natural progression getting into cars, right? Yep. What uh, what what were you taking to the track and doing autocross in? Yeah, so I had uh, since the Volvo completely just just caved in on itself, I bought a <laughs> 1994 Nissan Maxima, um, SE five speed manual VLSD, Sweet. like a just the coolest four door sports car. I mean, to me at least yeah. at the time, they still are, man. They're rad. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, actually, white gauges. I recently had a chance to see. At the Lane Motor Museum, a first-gen Maxima that is completely stock, manual, you know, with the L-series motor, all of that. I've mm. never seen one that clean, so it, it really brought me back. But uh, I was into, I don't I was just into cars, and the Maxima was, like, perfect because it was a good daily driver. It got great gas mileage, and it was honestly a lot of fun to drive. But when I took it to the autocross, it was hilarious because I would lift the rear wheels when i would go around a corner i would lift the inside rear wheel maybe two two and a half feet off the ground because of how much body roll it had yeah um but uh you know after that i saved up my pennies and i bought that z that z i bought that z for three thousand dollars um i forgot what year 2003 i think for three thousand dollars and that was and that's the 240z yeah yeah the 240z that was my first sports car or first fun, real fun car. And then, uh, you know, I did 
as much as I could to it by myself. Like I swapped the transmission from four speed to five speed. I changed the radiator. I did, I did as much stuff as I could by myself uh, with this thing. And, you know, I took it to track days. I had fun with it. But yeah, it's the same car that I've had since uh, I turned 21. That's awesome. I remember when you put the SR in there too, because I mean, um, did you mess with the carburetors at all? Uh, did you do anything with that? I did. That? You know, I, I pushed that thing pretty hard. I took it to the track days. I took it to autocross. At the time, for whatever reason, in Southern California, there was a really big uh, group of Z guys that would love to go autocrossing. I don't know why. The, there was That's, 10 of yeah, us or case. more. I, <laughs> maybe, I mean, at the time they were cheap, right? You could get one for $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, and that was standard fare. And, you know, you, you put a hot motor in it and some nice tires or whatever. You have to make your own coilovers. And it was a great autocross car because it was super light. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, 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 at the time, uh, I was just pushing super hard on on. Uh, that L, it was already swapped. It had an L28. And I I think I just damaged it. I blew it up or whatever. I don't know. I, I wore it down pretty good. So I figured, hey, it's time to swap the motor because this thing is a pile now. And uh, yeah, so I just took an old SR20 out of a, a wrecked Formula Drift car. I bought the SR20, believe it or not, for $2,000 with everything. Transmission, all of that you can't find that anymore right i don't even know how much they're worth they're like eight thousand dollars now for whatever reason um but yeah i got that swapped it in and uh yeah it's it's been in there ever since yeah and you recently did a, a major restoration on the car right you had uh the guys that was it bells and vaughn i think did the work yeah uh they they did a full uh all the way down to metal restoration on it and so, I mean, I've used that car for everything, right? I actually started doing chase camera stuff with that car. Um, and uh, it just, uh, it, it really taught me how to drive rear wheel drive cars, you know, and, and it, it, you would know ABS, no uh, power steering, you know, it, it's just such a driver's car. So I really kind of grew up with that car and yeah, so it, now that it's fully restored, I don't take it to the track. I drive it on the street. I still enjoy it. But now it has AC, it has a sound system, um, fun stuff like that. Yeah, and nice. That's and so you got a nine nine six turbo after that, right? That's uh, or did you have or did you get something between that and the nine nine six turbo? I've had a bunch of different cars. Uh, the nine nine six was definitely a little later when I started shooting a lot more European cars. I realized how much I liked them. And uh, I got in the 996 Turbo game, I think, pretty early when they were still pretty affordable. Uh, mine was used as a daily driver, so it was pretty bad. And I've spent quite a bit of time to kind of get it to this point where I can actually drive it reliably. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I love all cars. I love American cars. I love everything. I mean, th the point is that I am able to shoot everything. And I love shooting everything. It could be donks, it could be lowriders, it could be rat rods, it could be drag cars, whatever it is, there is a reason to love it and there's a beauty in it somehow or another. Even the ugliest cars at the Lane Museum. <laughs> there's some <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. there's some Well they have Yeah. Have you ever met a car that you just like did not like shooting then? I mean, was there a car that was so boring it was like, oh man, like 
you know, it just didn't have any lines or, you know, because, like, an ugly car can be really fun because yeah. it's so ugly, right? Uh, I mean, there is that. I mean, there has been those challenges, I guess. But I guess that's the the nice thing is I've set myself up in a way where I don't really have to deal with that. I, I, I kind of just put myself in a position to photograph the things that are interesting to me and that I like. Um, they're, they're significant in some way, you know? Mm-hmm. And actually, that's a really good uh, point because recently I had uh, this company reach out to me and they're like, hey, we want to do a giveaway with you where we give away a photo shoot with Larry. And they mm-hmm. wanted to pay me a pretty good sum of money, right? And I'm like, okay, so what if it's just some clunker, some POS, and that somebody just doesn't care about, and they, it's like a, a one of those uh, uh, sweepstakes people that all they do is enter sweepstakes all day, and they just mm-hmm, win the yeah. sweepstakes to have me come feature their car, maybe do a video on their car, and kind of like really showcase this build. They're like, well, that's something we can't control, mm-hmm. and, and I'm like, well. I want to feature people's cars that it's their pride and joy. I don't care if it's a Nissan Maxima. If they put their heart and soul into it and then they, you know, massage it. It could be, like I said, uh, uh, anything and everything. As long as it's somebody's pride and joy and they've put all of this effort into building it or restoring it or whatever. Or it could be just a pile of shit. It could be like a um, like a gambler car, but it still has character. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't care how much it costs. I mean, like some of the most interesting cars I've ever featured are ones that are like that race to gambler or that are, uh, you know, that style. Um, the, the, anyways, the company's like, yeah, the, legally we can't just single out, you know, enthusiasts. And I'm like, yeah, I'm out on that. I can't, I just yeah, can't, yeah. you know, it, yeah. it just, it's just not fair. I just feel like it's not fair. But with that said, if there's a way they could have chose like, Hey, you either take the cash prize or whatever, or or we feature your car if it's a good car. Maybe I would have considered it, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and and you you talked about you know you shoot everything and all di- all different types of uh, especially motorsport have their own present their own challenges, right? And so it's all it's a new experience. So I can see how that can be appealing. Where like the way that you shoot Formula Drift is totally different from drag racing, from you know uh, whatever every any other name your motorsport, right? So. Yeah. Um, it's always fun. I feel like when you learn a certain skill set, though, that and then finding that crossover, though, it's like shit. You know what? I figured this out with with drag racing. This works really well. Maybe I can apply that to this other thing, and then you create some really cool art, right? Um, is there anything like that that stands out to you from uh, the way that that you kind of capture different types of motorsport? Yeah, it's really a challenge for me to shoot something new, and that's why I absolutely love uh, working for people like Hot Rod Magazine. Um, you know, Triple Zero Magazine, um, pretty much anybody who will really push the limit of what stories I can tell. Um, for me, it's just, there's just so many things that I haven't uncovered or I haven't been able to experience. I, I just really like shooting new things. And I guess that's, I, I like getting the scoops too, where a lot of times mm. I, I feature these cars and I feature these shops, especially in Japan, where they look at me and they're like, why are you even here? This is not interesting. <laughs> you know, why, why are you here? Why did you travel from America to come to my shop? 
You know, this is just a dusty old shop with a bunch of old cars in it. And, you know, I have to explain to a lot of these people that you, what you're doing here is inspiring. And what you're doing here, I want to tell your story and I want to essentially blow you up. You know, I want other people to、mm. see what you're doing because、uh, that's true car culture. Yeah, for sure. I love it. Awesome.、Um, let's see. Did you want to jump in on some questions there, Warren? Yeah, let's、Or? do it. And I、yep. think from there, we'll probably、uh, have a few more stories and such、yep. because there's a lot of good questions.、So. Yeah, I did see some things that are relevant, especially to, to the background,、yeah. uh, Larry's background. Yeah,、there. if you're down, Larry, there's a few listener questions here.、Um, all right. I'm going to start with、uh, Dante's question. Dante320 asks. What's the closest you've come to actually dying while shooting? <laughs> lots, of, <laughs> lots of track time and、Jeez. spending mornings on Pike's Peak has to have led to some sketchy moments. Yeah,、uh, I don't think my mom would like me saying all this stuff, but、um, I've had a lot of close, close calls. I've, I've had a lot of close calls, but you know, as I'm getting more and more experience, I'm, I try to be as safe as possible.、Um, the nice thing is,、uh, When you're around all these cars and when you're around all of these situations, you just get a higher understanding of what's possible.、Um, but I've, you know, I've gotten hit by Ryan Turk、uh, in his drift car. Oh, shit, really?、Uh, but, <laughs>、like、and it was, it, he, he decided to do a burnout, and I'm like, all right, okay, so he's done with his burnout. I'm going to stand behind his car, I'm going to shoot him going forward. And he decides to just put it in reverse and go back, and he just hits me. <laughs> so,、uh, one of the things that a lot of people don't understand with drag cars, drift cars, anything, if you think they're going to go forward, there's a very small chance that they're going to go backwards and just as fast. <laughs> it's a percentage, yeah. yeah. Just as so,、fast. with drag cars and cars that are launching, I always know that there's an escape route. I always. You know, from that and just from experiences, you, you've seen those videos of people street racing and they're like, oh, you know, they did their burnout, but they accidentally launch in reverse because they're so nervous and they take out、yeah. a whole crowd. That's a thing、yep. that you have to actually consider.、Um, but I've, I've gotten arrested、uh, and put in a Chinese jail one time because I was shooting a drift event and、uh, um, there was、Whoa. like this big riot, this big fight.、Uh, Wow. Yeah, just that doesn't sound yeah, fun. No, that doesn't sound fun. But are there any situations that you just won't do? Like, I mean, some people are afraid of heights, you know, things like that. I mean, anything that you kind of just shy away from? I mean, maybe I, I guess it's a physical limitation thing.、Um, I don't know. I've never really shot boat racing. I, I could imagine. I'm sure that's yeah, pretty、like、challenging, offshore, but I'm not very good in offshore water. Offshore racing or whatever. I'm, not, I'm、yeah. not very good in water. If, if it was like shooting on the ocean, maybe I could do something like that if I'm in a boat, but I don't know. I, that's a really good question. I, I think so much of, of shooting cars is just、um, pre planning and kind of just, just knowing as much as you can the lay of the land, what you can do, where you can go. Who you can talk to, you know, the connections you can、yeah. make. It, it's, 
I don't know. It, it, that's a really good question. I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. You can think about it. Yeah, I imagine there's a lot of situations where people want to throw you in a car and maybe you don't trust the person, don't know the person, don't know the car. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's way too fast. Maybe it's too sketchy. Like, yeah, I could see that getting uh, happening, happening to you a lot, first of all. And then you have to make this pretty quick judgment call where it's like, this guy in this car on this road, like, do I really want to yeah. do this right and now? This, yeah, yeah, this car, who questionable and if it's and it's put a little wet right. out yeah. or yeah. Uh, the tires look. I don't know. Maybe you're you're more kind of like, for, like, fuck it, let's do this. Well, or, no, I I mean that's ex back? that's exactly why a lot of times if you have seen my videos, you see that I drive the cars and I can control my limit, and I feel like I have such good mechanical sympathy and a lot of people a lot of commenters like to say that i'm just driving so slow like a grandma and i'm not pushing it at all and that's by design you know that's for a reason that a lot of times these cars uh, as modified they, as they are they potentially could be unsafe um not no fault of the owners or anything like that because you just never know mechanical things they things just break yeah. you know so i i try my best to just assess the situation all the time. And um, I, I think I'm pretty safe. I mean, especially now, uh, as I'm shooting more and more and more, I call other people out all the time for being unsafe. And part of it is because if they get hit or if something happens to them, then it, it'll hurt us. You know, it, hurt, mm. it hurts everybody in the car yep. industry. Yeah, especially access and things like that, right? Where, you know, if, if you if you have your head on straight and you have common sense, you know, you can stay be behind a, a white line on the ground and you can do your thing. But if something happens, all of a sudden now you have this huge barrier and then it just totally changes the whole dynamic of that particular corner or whatever it may be or across yeah. all types of motorsport, right? Or, uh, or you decide to jump in golf carts at Road Atlanta during grid life that one day when we were all there. And, uh, and, and Matt uh, puts his and, head through a windshield. Yeah, and, and uh, people are falling off. And I'm like, yeah, whole, you guys could go. I'm not going to go on them. But uh, did, it's yeah. a whole scene. <laughs> did, who, went through the wind, who went through the windshield? Was it? Well, Farrah was sitting shotgun, I think. And someone's, I think Larry was driving and then slammed on the brakes. And Farrah went through the plastic windshield with his head. Oh, yeah, yeah. No one, no one was injured in the filming of this movie, but uh, but we were hanging was, on, uh, having a blast watching it happen, though. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah I, have, I, I actually documented that entire sequence, that entire scene, awesome. and uh, that is for everybody's viewing pleasure. Um, one one story I have to mention from that was us all going in, um, in golf carts down the crazy hills at Road Atlanta, and then. I see Steph Papadakis jumping from roof to roof of the golf carts <laughs> right, like Spider-Man. Right. Golf carts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I've seen such recklessness in golf carts. In <laughs> I, I think that's it. That's the top. Man, was a fun. Oh, my God. It was, was so much fun. fun. Super fun. Yeah. Um, Rally JDM asks, uh, Larry, what is your most memorable shoot to date and why? Hmm. That's tough to say. I mean, I've, I've had so many good and good ones. Even this year, I've had some crazy ones. I mean, we, we had Times Square, uh, to shoot oh, the new right. Z's. I just, yeah. I, I mean, that kind of access is just so crazy to me. You know, I, 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 I guess I, I just keep trying to top the last one. You know, there's always something mm. 
that's more exclusive or newer or whatever. You know, that that's kind of the drive, right? If I already did the craziest thing, then what's the point of moving forward? So, yeah. so I, I just pride myself in being able to, uh, uh, I guess, showcase these cool things. Like, I, I mean, how, how else would you launch a car? You know, I, I thought that was super cool. You know, Nissan's like, hey, why don't we just drive these unreleased prototype, you know, Z cars? They just got released to the public. Let's just drive them straight to Times Square and just drive them up and down and, and then block it off and you can take pictures or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I think that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> that's insane. I'll do, that. yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. I mean, because like I, I, those kind of shoots, like I steal those kind of shoots all the time. And, you know, I, it's well within the law. Um, just maybe 10 years ago, I took Von Gittin Jr.'s RTR Mustang and I just, I'm on radio with my friend. I'm telling him to keep driving up and down, driving up and down, make a left turn, right turn, whatever, Times Square. And then I just steal those shots, right? Completely legal, well within the law, not blocking any traffic. Uh, I never thought I would be able to do it where I actually have it, you know, for myself. Um, so yeah, a lot of these things, you know, I have in my head, I just, I guess it just takes time to actually get to that point. Love it. Love it. Um, Bobby Reed asks, do you have any tips for photographing a car sitting in direct sunlight? Mm, yeah. Move the car. Um, what did you say? Move the car? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's certain cars that uh, potentially could look better in direct sunlight. Um, so a lot of it depends on the car, but... You know, you could also do other things while you're waiting for the light to be better, right? You could do detail shots, you could do interior shots, you could do engine bay, you could do wheels. Um, if it's a metallic car or has candy in it, then, you know, go go ham on it. You know, the paint is going to look really nice. It's going to look different versus uh, when it's in the shade. There's a way to photograph the car if it's if there's any available light at all. There's a way to make it look good. Um, there's a way to kind of present the best features. I feel like, um, but yeah, if it's if it's something if it's white or if it's completely black, then there are the challenges, right? But then you shoot on the shadow side. Um, then you just focus on the details, shots, whatever. You know, there's just so many ways to break it up and and just tell the story of that car. I like it. John Rye asks, uh, does, uh, do you think shooting video at events takes away from photo opportunities? Does it limit your time available to get that perfect shot or does it give you ideas for different angles or spots he wouldn't have gone to without shooting the video? Um, that's a really good question. And this is something that I bad, I've been battling with for a while. Uh, even if I have a dedicated video shooter, which I do a lot of times, it still takes my time away from shooting stills. Uh, if I have to do updates, if I have to um, play for camera, whatever, I have to do something, or even have to wait for the video guy, there's always something that's effect negatively affecting my still photography. So when it's absolutely the most important uh, for me to concentrate and to make sure I get the best still photos, that's when I drop video altogether and I just focus on photos. And that happens all the time. Unfortunately, a lot of times I just cannot give up that much. Like I just can't um, because it's more important to tell the story with video 
And it's more important for me to have the historical aspect of what happened on video versus having a better still, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. Chaycor asks, how do you manage your post-event workflow? With thousands of photos per event, how do you quickly determine what to keep and what to trash? So that's a really good question. And I think this is something that most photographers struggle with. We've kind of developed our own system. Um, and of course, it's different. And it's a, a, a different model for depending on what we shoot, right? So if we're shooting a commercial job, or a, a race, or a drift event, or a rally, or a car feature, it just all depends on how fast these photos need to end up in the right hands. And for example, at Formula Drift, it's all hands on deck. Every one of my guys are working so hard and pushing super hard to the point where we have two dedicated guys just sitting on the computer. They don't do anything else. They just sit on the computer. I have one person just running cards, running food, running water, running errands. And then it's me and dedicated shooters or remote camera operators or whatever. The, the, it's just, we've designed this thing where the photos flow, you know, video photos, it flows to the computers and then from the computers, they flow out to the right people. Um, of course, not everybody could have a team like that. So I think the smart thing to do would be to call and uh, really uh, select your photos in camera if possible. If not, then as, as hard as it is from a hard day of shooting, at least when you get back, at least dump them or save them on a computer because the last thing you wanna do is you go to your next shoot and then you pick up the camera and it's like, oh, I already loaded these photos and you delete it. That, that happens all the time. You know, that's a very common thing. So um, it, it even happens to us still. Uh, but luckily, we've we've uh, built in all of these backstops, all of these um, um, catch-alls to prevent as much of that as possible. So I have a question about that. Um, so you have two guys on the computer. So basically, they know what you're looking for, and they're gonna be, they're gonna grab a certain amount of frames and say, yeah. "Hey, these I think are worthy of, of being used based on your criteria." Is that how it works? Or yeah. So and and that's kind of the crazy thing about um, as you get bigger, you know, as the team gets bigger, and as the more materials we produce the less control I have in my photos. The, you know, the shooting of the photos, I have all the control for that, right? But when it comes to post-processing and the selection process, especially with um, action photography, what's the difference in one frame where it's like this or it's just a little further, you know? Well, these micro nuances, I look at them and I can tell you which one I prefer it's really yeah. hard to convey that to my guys, but honestly, they do their best interpretation of what I think the shot should look like and also fix my mistakes and you know change the colors or whatever. They, they do their best to, um, I wouldn't say my style, but like they, they do their absolute best and what they think the picture and the scene looked like at the time for the person that we're shooting for. Um, Dang. As much um, as I and you're mm -hmm. 
Oh, I was going to say, and you're shooting like 16 frames per second, right? So yeah. I, I mean, or whatever. It's just like constant. It's crazy. Well, 16 frames per second or even 20 or 30 now with the R3, there's things that I'm shooting where one frame is really completely different than the other. You know, especially when you're uh, talking about, you know, especially with drift cars, just mere inches difference is a big difference, especially if they're mm -hmm. tapping the wall, hitting a cone, um, rubbing somebody's door, you know, that thing that you see in the camera, it happens for an absolute microsecond. And if you're lucky enough to capture it, or it could be like a flame pop, right? How fast mm -hmm. could that be, right? If it's coming out of the wastegate or whatever, it's just like a quick explosion. And it happens for the tiniest amount of time and because I was shooting for 30 frames per second, 16 or whatever, it was able to capture that pop. So yeah, that's that's why you need that kind of speed because you have a higher chance of getting the best stuff possible. Yeah, totally. And yeah. I think I was just I'm I'm imagining the um, was it Climb Kana when um, Ken did Pike's Peak? Yeah, like that one shot that's now become really iconic of him like, going like like wheels off and like kicking up the dirt. Like that that span of let's say five frames is is so different. And you know, there's going to be some that are going to kind of hit the mark in some ways, and some that won't. And um, but it's just. Damn, I don't know. I, I I struggle with that, right? Like with with like releasing control as you're describing. It's like, but I guess if when it is absolutely necessary, like you go back and and then you, you'll go check, like let's say a certain shot, right? Like yeah. and and then maybe select what you want. But but as you're describing, if it's a job where you're capturing a new product or you're launching a car, it's like okay, the task is X, so it's a little more oh, yeah. loose. But when you want to be artistic, it's it's got to be a little more hands on, I imagine, right? Yeah. So just to give you a good example, like with the Nissan Z launch, um, that's such a big deal for us, and that's such a um, iconic car. Yeah. I wanted to do my absolute best, right? So while we did have video rolling, I didn't pay attention to the video at all, right? I just focused on my photos. Then after the fact, uh, my guys did help me call photos, but they they called it down to usable sharp photos, which still uh, ended up being a lot, like a lot, a lot. Um, but <laughs> because they're usable and sharp, that's when I go in and I do my micro adjustments and I do my selection of what I think are the absolute best. And then from there, I just laser focused i'm on the computer you know checking for color matching color and just doing everything i can to make sure that my vision uh transferred over to these photos uh like that's a very good example of one that's important enough for me to have 100 absolute 100 percent of my attention for every mm. single photo mm. mm -hmm. uh zek defied asks what are your thoughts shooting in manual mode is this the best for learning is it ideal for control and do you prefer another mode for certain events uh formula d shutter priority etc um uh, so manual mode is just one of the many tools or one of the many features that your camera has uh, i don't really look at it as like the end all be all that's the only mode that i shoot with in fact it's probably the mode that i shoot the least with because the cameras are so smart right now. They're so good. And, you know, even now when I mentioned on the R3, they can re recognize cars. Uh, 
you you want to use that stuff. You want to use technology to your advantage. You know, so manual really just limits you in terms of speed and in terms of control. A lot of times, especially when I look from one scene to the other, uh, if I look to my right or if I look to my left, the light is different from just a couple feet. Or it could be something where it's hey the the car turned around. Or it was drifting, or it was a rally car, whatever. It went from taillights to headlights. So now what? So now the the taillights are perfectly exposed, but when it turned around, now you're completely blown out. You know, so you just cannot、uh, physically change fast enough. You just can't. It, it, like it happens so much faster than we can think, and that's why I use the camera's technology to my advantage because it can think way faster than I can. Yeah. So I'm、uh, curious about this car mode. Yeah, I was about to ask what, that. Yeah, like how does it? What does it prioritize on? Do you know, like the algorithm or? Yeah. Like you know, if it's like if it's like a front three quarter, is it going straight to the front nearest headlight or? Um. So you, you know the car is mode is interesting. Um. It's it's uh like a. I, I. Or is it like is it changing contrast no, and no. highlights? Is it well? It, it, it's uh. Is it doing all that? It is just. Controlling one thing, which is the focus.、Okay. Um, everything else is、mm. under your control. But it's kind of interesting when you're shooting a motorcycle. When it's far away, it focuses on the nose of the motorcycle and it, it it draws a box around the whole thing. But as soon as it gets closer, and then the motorcycle rider starts leaning, it actually jumps focus to the helmet. To the rider, yeah, to the rider. And when you're shooting a, a car, a drift car, or whatever, it's always trying its best to get the plane of focus near the the part of the car that's closest to you.、Mm-hmm. So、that's、super cool. Hit,、uh, but on like a profile shot, for example,、mm-hmm. it wouldn't go for the mirror; it would go for the body, right? It would. I mean, I would. Think, I think、right? it would. I mean, because it's. Right, because the mirror's like, closest, yeah, yeah, but you yeah, don't yeah, necessarily yeah. want to. It, you don't want to focus on the mirror if you're shooting like it's a, shallow depth field or something. The, the the learning it is.、Um, I forgot what it's called. It's not live learning, but it's it it、uh, has like simple AI learning to it, right? So、uh-huh. it kind of it just understands what you're shooting.、Um, so、gotcha. there's three modes that come on the R3. It's uh, humans, um, animals, or cars. So、uh, it, it is. I've and I've tested all three extensively. I've put maybe a hundred and ten thousand shots on the R three, and、no. it's absolutely incredible. It's crazy how smart it is. So、that's、now、really cool. my、uh, video guy, that's all he uses because it's absolutely cheating. Like it doesn't matter how fast the car is going coming towards you. Good luck trying to keep it in focus if you're doing manual rack focusing. You know, but this. Camera is so smart; it does it smoothly and it does it pinpoint accurately, and、wow. it could see through most of smoke or、um, dirt or fence or whatever. It just—it's just smart like that. Yeah, ha- have you heard of light field technology?、Um, for, uh, yes. For cameras, yes. Yeah, Where you yeah, can refocus. So I, 
Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I worked at I worked at that company that invented that tech for a bit, uh, and uh, that that was supposed to be a game changer. Unfortunately, they decided to give up on the consumer side of things and license mm-hmm. the tech to the military. But um, it is I, I, it kind of goes with the question. But like that idea for for the people that are listening is that it captures information in for lack of a better term, kind of like in a, lar- in a large cubicle space, let's call it, right? And so then you can select a focal plane after the fact infinitely, although like, you know, from the front of the car all the way to the back. Um, and like so stuff like that. iPhones are doing that now with, with video, right? The new yeah, right. I just saw does that, that yeah. with video. Yeah. So like that, that sort of tech with computational photography becoming more and more popular, especially on mobile devices, like um, do you foresee that something that you want to like – like, is there something that you would like to take advantage of, like from computational photography or something that you feel would help you with your workflow that, that would, that you would like to see in camera tech? Um, it, it's, th- that's a really good point. And a lot of people you know, bring up the phone thing or those kind of technologies. Um, as much as those things are advancing, the cameras that we use are advancing just as fast. I feel like, um, for what we need them for. Um, I mean, it would be interesting, you know, to, to get into that. Uh, for me, every single new piece of gear and piece of technology that could potentially help us, I go out and try right away. Like as soon as nice. the gimbal started coming out, I'm like, all right, let's get it. You know, Ronan, let, let's see how it works, whatever. Let's learn it. Um, mm-hmm. Drones, uh, whatever. I mean, it, just every new piece of gear that seems interesting or that potentially could up our game i've always uh looked to be the first at, to to get proficient at you know and a lot of times things actually you know we try it out it's like eh, it doesn't really work let's just sell it or whatever and we just move on but um i'm what i'm most afraid of is uh something coming out and we just don't adopt it and it's just everyone else is good at it and they just they just blow us out of the water, and that's exactly what happened when uh, it trans uh, it went from film to digital, right? So many mm-hmm. photographers went out of business because they just could not make the jump, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, those that could kept going. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I see that stuff. Like, maybe not for like what you do, but like for someone that say shoots the inauguration of a president or something like like as a backup saving a shot right like that's you look at that stuff as like stuff you don't necessarily want to rely on but you can see it really helping with one of these like key moments in history like saving grabbing that picture that you might have missed right um I see what I mean. Yeah, because you're capturing so much. You're capturing so much data in one image, and then after the fact, you can kind of. I mean, it's just like a once in a lifetime thing happening, and you might have like, you might have like back focused on accident or something, and like if that could save that shot, that's like an amazing thing. But, um, but I I think it's one of those. From, I see it as like you wouldn't want to rely on stuff like that because like, I don't know. It and it, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's a weird thing, right? Because um obviously you you've answered my question well it's like you are you you are an adopter an early adopter even and and you want to experiment and and do whatever it takes to um leverage all of the tools that are out there to your advantage right and so and some people are traditionalists and they're like oh well that's too easy you know i i work it and i do this and x and whatever and there are some challenges that come along with that but um but i think early on you know naturally you're gonna have to deal with some glitches you're gonna have to deal with some stuff that 
is going to end up, you know, as you said, lost shots or that or, or stuff that doesn't work so well. And I mean, it's it's crazy to think of the jump between film and digital where um, I, I talked to the guy who was one of the early Canon guys and he kind of really invented the training program for them in the U.S. early on. And I'm sure you know who he is, but um, he moved to a different company. But his whole thing was that he could not get photographers to adopt the new Canon digital tech in the 90s, early 90s. And so the thing that sealed the deal for them was, okay, well, he's like, yes, the resolution's really low and yes and that, but like, look at workflow. There's this new thing called Photoshop. And also um, your photos um, are really small in a catalog, right? So like, why don't we, and he was actually, I should say that he was talking to Victoria's Secret uh, photographers. That was his angle. It's like trying to get them on board. And uh, he had a relationship with them. So Um, he's like, your pictures are only this big on a sheet of paper, like, you know, and look at all these other advantages, right? So you don't need a super high res image. You don't need all that data and all that information. So, you know, and, and by data, I mean information on film. Uh, so like they jumped on and like, they realized that, okay, this is the future. And based on our use case, like we don't necessarily need to get, we don't need the, you know, we don't even need five megapixels, right. Or 10 megapixels, whatever. But over time, like, because they jumped on board, um, they started to influence that because they needed people out there in the field helping kind of provide, you know, use cases and R and D and like everything. And, and, uh, so yeah, but it's, it's a tricky thing, right? Like, um, cause you, especially as you find new technologies, I mean, I think with Canon where you're at, I mean, like they're doing so much R and D internally now that it's like, by the time that it gets to your hands for the most part, it's like probably pretty baked, but, uh, then you get to sort of contribute, some at the at the end of that kind of um uh, what do you call it workflow i guess or 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 research yeah i mean uh, so much of what i we do is we 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 give our feedback you know but but the main thing that we do as canon ambassadors is to showcase what the cameras are capable of um and we have a really good time doing that because they're they're really good people to work with and the fact that they're so open to the stuff that we do with these cameras it just blows me away i mean you know there's the their cameras are used for so many traditional things right wedding photography landscape whatever shooting your kids yeah. shooting your pets but the fact that they give and not just me you know they give it to surf photographers they give it to um, conflict photographers, um, sports photographers, they let us push these things so hard and just tell that story, you know, of, of how or where or what or why. Um, and, and it's really refreshing. It's really nice. You know, you look at their explorers of lights, all the other ones, um, you know, we all do different things. And I'm the only motorsport photographer or car oh, photographer. Really? Um, in that realm and you know it's just fun for me to kind of showcase that the the people at canon usa and even canon japan when they see the stuff and when when they come on some of my shoots they're just so happy and they're so blown away it makes me feel good um and then they see that it's such a big thing i mean look at you look at your events look at redwood how many people bring out cameras to take pictures of their own, you know, like they could get a pretty good scope of what happened from a lot of the pro guys that go from looking at my pictures or looking at whoever else goes to Radwood, but they don't care because they want to take their own, you know? 
and mm-hmm. that is so cool you know that that is such a big part of car culture uh, one funny story about um the last redwood i went to i was taking pictures of that honda city turbo oh uh, yeah remember yeah. and then uh, john malkovich just walked into my frame <laughs> and he <laughs> no. was taking pictures with his cell phone like he was like in like looking at the actual uh what, what is the motorcycle called Motor- yeah, yeah, motor yeah, yeah. he was like doing his own photos and i i just i looked later and i i was like oh my god like john malkovich just walked into my frame <laughs> like, but, but he's <laughs> he's enjoying funny. his he's enjoying cars in, in his way uh yeah. which a lot of people like to enjoy you know by taking their own photos and essentially taking a piece of that car for themselves yeah, yeah it's funny sure. i wonder who i wonder what he what was he doing with those photos, right? Was he like texting them to a buddy or something? Maybe I don't the know. Coen Brothers, probably. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. To the Coen yeah. Brothers. Coen Brothers. Uh, that's, Alex J eleven hundred asks, "What is Larry's biggest pet peeve of other professional photographers, and what would be his top tip for any amateur to easily elevate their own photos?" Mm. <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> He's thinking. I think. I think a big one is uh, uh, jump. Uh, I don't know. I it's it's kind of tough to say. I mean, there are a lot of things that I just can't stand for sure. But you know, everybody's just doing the hustle. You know, everybody's doing their own thing. Trying. Larry's to, so nice, yeah. dude. Listen yeah. to him. He's like, you, don't, he's you like, don't have to say who. How, yeah. How about how about like uh, retouching where someone gets a brush and just they just brush over the person. You see a halo around them or something or a car. Like that's Damn, look at Lane right. calling me out for that one photo I took in Tahoe. Oh, yeah, sorry, <laughs> I don't. Or how about uh, how about kissing the bumper with the with the oh, edge of the photo? No, well, that's horrible. Right? That's yeah. like me. Oh, that's I, I start rough. pulling my that's, hair that's out. I'm like, ah. One. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I do have to say one thing that's really annoying is when it's you're you're shooting the photo and you're it's like you're looking at a car and it's clearly not on an incline it's not going downhill or uphill oh but but then they just yeah Yeah. the horizon Uh, is completely cocked there's a way to do it and there's a way to do it correctly right there's a way Mm -hmm. to hide that fact or there's a way to make improve the photo but if you do it in a way we call it jdm angle because the japanese magazines loved doing that um Mm -hmm. where every car is like you know, like 45 yeah, yeah. degree angle. And I look at Alex it, I'm like, shark works calling him out. I'm like, what part <laughs> of the track is that? What part of the track goes uphill? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, that, that's a rough one for me. Like, I just, I can't stand it. I, there's a, like I said, there's a way to do it where you don't notice it. And that's not a big part of the photo. You know, it actually improves the photo. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it adds drama, like it, because it, you want to get that sensation of like physics, right? Of a car yeah. kind of sinking into a turn, but yeah. but yeah, like I see, what, but just a car static sitting there, um, yeah, the, I do Dutch struggle angle. with that. Yeah, yeah, Dutch angle. Yeah, I think we, like, I actually took a picture just recently. We were just at Greenwich this past weekend. We had a Radwood presence there at the Concours, and like there was a car that was parked um, on a slope, and like the profile is so cool, but I, I couldn't get it because the, you could see the water line that was right on the water in the background. Uh, and I'm like, fuck it. I'll just keep the car a little up nose up and you know, we'll, we'll just yeah. make the, I just had, I know lo- sometimes that's so tough. You just can't shoot in those instances. Like you can't shoot it like perfectly head on yeah. and have a, have a background. That's like not 
perfect. Yeah. And same with like side shot. I hate when, you know, yeah. if you're shooting a, it perfectly side on, you're trying to get like this perfect, you know, symmetrical photo. And then the background yeah. is like a little off. It or just holes so in the back. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 Uh, last question. Rally Sideways asks, Larry, what is the biggest thing looking back that set you up for success? Hmm. That's a that's a tough one. Um, Hustling, man. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> really, the the drive to to the the drive to produce something extraordinary. Um, I I really really like even to this day after all this time. Uh, I just want to see people's feedback. You know, I want to see what they say about what I'm producing. And it makes me feel good if it inspires other people. You know, that's really the big thing for me. Uh, if if I'm just shooting for myself, yeah, I mean, there's some merit to that, right? And a lot of people do do that. And then if people happen to like it, they like it. But I also like to shoot things, tell stories, and I like to produce photos that other people like. You know, I mean, maybe that sounds bad to say, but it's it's a big driving factor, you know, like, and I think that's, mm. I, I'm not like, uh, I, I'm appealing to as many people as I can um, in, in my way, you know, in the best way possible. That that's an interesting point, and like with art is is you know largely subjective, right? But mm -hmm. there are objective things, and I think that it's very hard to critique your photos in a negative way because they're so objectively good. It's like you have, it's, it's, there's a lot of artistic uh, um, elements in it, but it's also technically so good. And like, you know, the more you learn about it, like I, I know some about photography, but like the, the more you realize, okay, like this is a very, very good example of X. Right. And so you, I've noticed you've always strived to do that. And, um, I acknowledge it. Um, and I, I know I comment and, and that's one thing that I love about Larry is like, I, I, we try, but you actually take the time to respond and engage with like your followers and your audience. And like, um, even, you know, if I just say something about whatever photo you're like, like, thanks dude. Like, <laughs> like, you know, you appreciate that. And <laughs> I, like, as you said, yeah, okay. th that is so important to me, right? The interaction is very, very, very important to me. Um, anyone that I, any person that I meet, you know, like when I was at rare shades, the next person that I meet could be my next job, you know, or it could be if I improve their day in some way at all, you know, give them a sticker, give them a pin, whatever. If, if I helped in any way, if I made their day better or the event better for them, then that, that just makes me happy. You know, it, it's, it's, um, it's the one-on-one -on -one interaction. You only have one chance to, mm -hmm. to meet somebody for the first time, you know, so it's uh, very important to me to do that so i like it i have i have one last question that involves and it, it relates to this one and i know that you you have you know that we talked about sacrifice now when you've you know you're one of the leading photographers in the world now but um leading up to that i know that you slept on a lot of hotel floors and you hustled a lot and drove cars and towed trailers just to get to a destination because that was the way that you can get into a race and mm -hmm. you know and all of that sort of shit like at that point in time i know you were very driven and you were getting into the game but like what was your end game at that point like did you think like 
Mm. What did you want to do? And why were you willing to make a lot of sacrifices at that point, knowing that you weren't getting paid anything, yeah. but, you know, like, um, like still willing to do it at that point? I, I don't, I honestly didn't really have an end game. I didn't think that at all. Mm. My thought and the, the drive was just to produce the pictures, the, mm. the good content, you know? Um, and I wanted to hit that mark time and time and time again. Um, I, one of the things that I do every year is I compile my photos and I, and I break them up, you know, some more, some years more than others. Right. So like if I, if it was this year, for example, what I'll do is I'll break it up into the, my 100 all time, my, what I think are my best photos of the year. And then I have my 100 drift anything drift related photos of the year so i have 200 photos of the year from this year mm. in years past if i shot uh like a whole rally cross series i would do hey here's the best rally cross photos or rally and then drift and then everything else um i i'm so hard on myself i look at every year and i always try to improve year after year and you know it's basically impossible to I think to top yourself year after year, but at least I want to kind of keep up the quality. And that's back then when I wasn't making any money and when I was losing money, actually, when I was doing other work just to pay for photography, what was driving me was making that picture, you know, the, the, like I just would just think to myself, like, ah, uh, this weekend, maybe I'll get one photo that's worthy to go into mm -hmm. that collection you know if i don't make something that's worthy to go into this collection then it was like a failed weekend for me so that mm -hmm. that's kind of what was driving me it, it was it was more just like a pride thing you know luckily now after all these years of shooting and and pushing hard i've been shooting for 17 years i'm able to make a living off of it and i'm just like still beside myself every single day like i cannot believe that I'm able to do this for a living versus before it was like scrounge every single dollar. I couldn't even afford flights, right? The, you mentioned mm -hmm. that art. I couldn't afford flights or hotels to go to these races. So what I would do is I would hitch rides or help trailer race cars or somehow or, or another, I'd get to these places and then I would sleep on the floor. I couldn't even imagine sleeping on the floor. Maybe that's what messed up my back now. You know? <laughs> now, yeah, now, exactly. now I'm destroyed, you know, because I slept on so many floors. But it's I all couldn't those trailer e hitches, dude, also trying to Exactly. <laughs> I, I just yeah, so so I made those sacrifices. Um there was one SEMA, SEMA two thousand seven. I slept on a different floor every single night, every single day of the week. So mm. it was wow five nights at SEMA, five different hotel room floors. Um, sure, and there you go. the reason why yeah. is because it's like, you know, you go to one person, it's like, oh, I got a buddy coming in and, you know, or mm. it, it's always something. Um, yeah. But I bummed, I bummed my way as much as I could uh, just to, just to make it, you know? And, and it, yeah. it's, uh, so, so when, when a lot of people ask me, like, hey, what's the overnight way? What's the overnight success way to get into this industry? I just, it's just so much, you know, I just, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, well, I think you love it, right? You love taking photos. Yeah. And you love editing, you love making a, an image like that. 
probably what it really comes down oh, to. Yeah, capturing right? that like, moment. Yeah. yeah. Like right. I, you know, that's a, I know that's a fun thing for a lot of people. You know, I know I enjoy it where you get, you go out and you're super stoked to like get home and look at them, you know, yeah. kind of go through them and, and, and uh, kind of show something off. Right. And uh, that's, a, yeah. and by the way, you haven't upgraded that much. Cause now you have to st- use like stay with Danny George. That's probably worse <laughs> than staying in random hotel rooms. I think, so. um, I'll sleep on any floor know. of that. No. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I, I think the question was not so much overnight success. I think he was asking like, what is like a big tip to elevate his own game? Oh, right? oh. It's like, like, yeah. uh, in, like, is it composition? Is it, co- you know, I don't know. Like, uh, I think that was the question, right? Well, I think this well, was last... your question, Art. It was your, it was your question. Oh no, your question. Oh no, no. That, and you that said, "What was one. the what's the what was the drive?" Oh yeah, before yeah, you yeah. started making money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah for I sure. Said, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, that, there's um, that, but um, yeah, what was the kind of the? I mean, there's the motivation and sort of like an end game, but I think the the, pre- the previous question was like, what is like a? Oh, big, we were done with that. Oh, yeah, the, the, the well, the tip. I mean, it's gonna sound dumb, but just show up early and stay late. You know, when when I go to, uh, I'm gonna bring up Radwood again for whatever reason. Um, I love, love, love shooting the cars rolling in. Mm. You don't get to see the cars drive. Some of these cars only drive one time a year, if that, right? Right? Mm -hmm. So when I see so-and-so pull up in, I mean, like Matt was driving that, what was that, a 960? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many times do you get to see that running, you know? Uh, uh, When you show up in midday to the show, guess what? It's parked there. And then when you leave, you don't get to see it start up or, or leave, you know? And that's so important to me. If you'll see, uh, if you notice some of my favorite shots from all car shows, Lufka Cult, uh, Radwood, whatever car shows that I shoot, uh, uh, Rare Shades, load in and load out is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's getting some of that, some action, right? Yeah. Like some... Yeah, it's cool. And you, I mean, and you got some rad, you have some great static shots too of like that 962 in particular across that little pond and everything. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. So, yeah, if Canon uh, saw a picture of me putting uh, their prototype camera into the lake or pond, <laughs> they'd be like, what's yeah, yeah. this this guy? You know? Are you joining yeah, us? Yeah, um, yeah. Are you joining us on November 20th down there? Uh, where is it? It's going to be at the Honda uh, HQ and Honda America campus. Torrance, 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 yeah. Right now, what are you guys doing down there? Radwood, 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 SoCal. Um, I'll I'll see what I can do. I'm gonna try. Uh, that's a there's a Nitro Rallycross that weekend, but it's in SoCal, so I'm gonna oh, put yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I'll shoot you a text. There's some other stuff uh, happening there that um, might be worthy of a, yeah a visit. Okay, cool. I'd love that. Yep. Uh, uh, now it's yeah. time for trivia. Do you have time for two questions, sure, Larry? Of course. All right. I do uh, first we have the trivia music. So hold on. Uh, you might really enjoy this. All right. First question is uh, I want I would like to know when the very first color photograph of a car was taken. What year? Color color photograph of a car? The first Oh, of a car. Color photograph of a car. Jeez, man. How are we going to go through this? I know just the first uh, color movie was Wizard of Oz in 1939. Um, so I know that, but that's a movie. Yeah, there were there were stills that were much older. 
Yeah. Yeah. And we're looking at car. Like, who's taking Nin- pictures of cars? I, I, I would, and all cars were black. My guess like is it was uh, Model A's. 19. Huh. I'll tell you what, Larry. Hold it. Hold your guess. We'll let these knuckleheads guess first. Okay. It'll give wait, you a little Wait, wait, wait. wait. Here's buffer. a question Is this a, a photograph that's color or is it coloring after the fact? Because that was the thing. Yeah, they that would was do. Um, this is a. You remember, you know, they would fill it in after they yeah. would color the photos. Yeah, colorized. Color black and whites. Colorized. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm doing research. Oh, now. he doesn't know. Oh. Dude, look at this. <laughs> Stumping. Well, I, mean, the... I'm, I didn't take the photo, Lane. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> well, gonna... there, I mean, it's a. There's a big difference there. Yeah, you know, I know what you're saying. Um, I'm gonna go 1899. Okay, 1899. <sighs> That's pretty good. I feel like if I tell you which it is, it may sway your guess that but i'll tell sense. you it's called it's called an autochrome f- photo so it, okay. it is a color photo huh. photograph yeah color photograph yeah, yeah. um 1899 from art i'm gonna lane. say 1921 1921 hmm. all right from lane. i don't know why i'll do 1930 then art wins 1906 wow, wow. and get wow. this it's it's the guy who invented the process. Um, his name was uh, Lumiere, the Lumiere brothers. Oh, yeah. And he's taking a photo of his daughter in his car, a wow. 1902 Renault. And his daughter's just sitting there. It's a totally normal photo. That's awesome. Uh, that we would take today, right? Like your kid yeah. in your so car. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, I kind of like so, that. So in France, right? Uh, in France, yeah. And it yeah. wasn't like of a race or a car show or anything spectacular. It's like... Hey, let me Candid just get a picture shot. of you sitting there. Uh, yeah. 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 I do love awesome. that. Um, all right. Second question. Most expensive camera ever sold oh. at auction. Uh, huh. Oh, at this auction. Hap- auction camera. And this happened in 2018 at the Westlick Photographica auction in Vienna, Austria, which we all go to every year, yeah, of course. Yeah, big fan. Um, and this was a Leica Zero series. Um, how much did it sell for? I, it's a beautiful I, camera, by the way. Just looking. at I it. guess cool it was looking. a Leica. Uh, uh, Two million dollars. Two even. Hmm. Fuck! I have I'm no gonna idea. take the. I'm gonna take the over. I'm gonna go two point one. <laughs> Two point one. I'm gonna go seven hundred and fifty thousand, Bob. You guys are pretty good, pretty damn good. Lane gets the win. Two point eight <laughs> million dollars. Good That's guess, crazy. Larry. By the way, send that. Why? What was the two, significance? Two point eight million. Um, it sold to a private collector from Asia. Um, oh, I'm sorry, two point nine seven million. <laughs> so let's call it. Let's call it three, three million. The million. previous record. Previous record was 2.8, but uh, it's just one of 25 Leica Zeros um, that were produced for testing oh. back in 1923. Wow. So it's a prototype oh, wow. that is still in one piece, uh, 2.97 million huh. until the next one comes wow. uh, to market. Wow. Uh, I would think will... it would be like some famous, you know, like an Ansel Adams. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like used camera that the one that used for 20 years. Or something. Or something. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. 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 So the next one's going to uh, be yeah. Larry Chen's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Larry, you got any extra cameras? His first five D. His first five D. A disposal. I'll just take a disposal. No, it was actually Mark One, and it was just like he had an yeah, XTI. Wear. Actually, it was it was an XTI. It was early on, <laughs> yeah. uh, early years. So now, what was the one that Agassi had? Oh, the Rebel. Uh, You're a the Rebel. Rebel. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. 
By the way, the XTI, do you know a little additional trivia? Do you know what the the XTI was called in Japan, uh, Larry? The Kiss. Yes, that's right. Kiss Digital X. He knows it. Um, (laughs) So that color photograph thing, um, I remember years ago going down one of these rabbit holes and looking at old photography. And there's a picture. It's a famous picture of like a sultan or like someone in the Middle East. He might be Turkish. I can't remember. But somewhere in that region. And he's wearing a turquoise like jacket that's super ornate, and that's a one. I think that's the earliest fo- uh, colored photograph, and it's from the 1890s somewhere around there. So I was thinking, maybe mm. you know, same. same yeah, no, tech, I think that's but, a good guess. But, it just happened to be that, like Lane said, who wants to take pictures of cars back then? It was such a crazy process. But this guy who invented it was like, hey, just sit over there in the Renault, and I'll get you. So that's cool. 19, 1906, you said, huh? 1906. Yeah, it was a 1902 Renault. I want to um, look it up. Anyways, that's that's a podcast. Larry, thanks so much for joining oh, us. Thanks for this having me. Thank awesome. you, sir. And awesome, man. Thank you so much. And we'll we'll definitely uh, be in touch. And hopefully, we see you in SoCal here next month. Yeah. Oh, well, Larry, definitely. we'll see you at Velocity. Oh yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. we'll see yeah. you there. Um, but yeah, Velocity. text me the info, and then I'll see what I can do about my can. Sweet. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, thanks Larry. for coming right. on, Larry. Thanks, dude. Right. Later.